Welcome to All Inclusive, a podcast about game development and the diverse people who make it. My name is Ash, and I'm an environment artist in North Carolina, USA. And my name is Jasmine. I'm an environment artist from Cologne, Germany. Today's special guest is Deanna. They are the founder and creative director at Capdelight and work with Girls Make Games. Thanks for coming on today, Deanna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. We're so excited to have you. Like, this is one of the rare times we actually got an inquiry. I know. To, uh, guest, and we were both so excited to see your email. And we're like, oh my God, yes, yeah. we need to get her on. And we're so happy that you could make it so short notice, too. So thanks so Absolutely. much for your time. Yeah, thanks very much. I saw, I saw, uh, um, and about, you know, just learned about it and from like the House of Peeps Discord. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds so cool. Like, oh, ho. I have to talk to these people. <laughs> oh, ho. That's kind of cool that it's being, I, I think, um, who, who runs it? It's Dan, Danny runs that server, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I love Danny. Danny is a good egg. Um, and it oh warms my, my heart that yeah. she's like sharing the podcast in the server and stuff like that that makes me really happy so but. nice shout out to yeah <laughs> shout out to danny um really but again like like uh jasmine said thanks for coming on today so just to kind of kick off our little talk today um we would love to know how you actually got into the industry what interests you in particular and what were your first steps that like got you into the game industry made you think yes I want to be here and I'm gonna stay (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah I guess I've always kind of been around games like my mom like growing up like she she like loved the Tom the Tomb Raider series um so I kind of watched her playing that like on the original PlayStation for like a long time and eventually I started playing games um really got into like the MMO uh, type games like uh, Terra, Guild Wars. Um, oh, yeah, I was really immersed in that. And then um, I don't remember if it was middle school or high school, but we had a career day and this woman came in and she was like, hey, I write stories for games. And a light bulb just kind of went off in my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I could actually do this as a career. Like it never really came across my mind. Um, and then from that moment on, I kind of just planned on going to university and um, recently got my master's in, in game development and design. So it's kind of been a, a like that moment was really a big pivotal moment for me. Um, don't remember the name of that woman, but she really changed my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bless. Bless. I think that like, that's kind of like a, a discussion that I've kind of seen in like, um, game art spaces is that there's always kind of this, uh, conversation about like how can we get more women kind of involved in game dev and I think your your story is kind of like a great example of how you do that like because I think that even even me you know like I didn't know that like I wanted to go into art until someone sat down with like a big giant career book and like an animator was like in the book and I was like wait you can do that like I feel like that's so like doing game art and art and stuff like that like if you think about it now it makes sense because it's like of course someone makes this yeah (laughs) of course someone spends time and like has a job doing stuff like this but I don't think it's like as like spoken or uh uh shown as an example or whatever to people uh as much as it maybe could be and I think that yeah um sometimes just giving people the opportunity to be exposed to something kind of just opens up more doors um I think then uh we may realize because you said you went what point of your life was that like in high school or um like when someone came by and like was showing you stuff about like game art or like art and stuff when was that again Deanna? I can't remember if it was like later in my middle school years or my oh, high yeah. school. But I, yeah. it might have been high school because you know they. I think high school like they start drilling like career information in your head. It's yeah, interesting which... that they already offered you something towards even games like um, 
in my school, like in high school, they would always go with the very typical jobs, like, yeah. I don't know, doctors, lawyers, um, whatever, even carpenters and stuff like that. But, <laughs> yeah. but like creative jobs, I think that's really nice that um, a school would even recommend that. And after that, did you go to university for um, a game-specific course or how did you continue when you suddenly had that knowledge of that, oh, I could go into games, that's actually an option after high school? Yeah, I think it, um, right when, you know, that encounter happened, I told my mom about it and she was like super supportive about it. And oh, you know, like, we love to hear it. it. Oh, Very yeah. Good. I was like, I always heard stories of like, you know, parents sometimes aren't always super supportive. I mean, she, you know, mentioned, oh, you know, it, you may not make a lot of money because, you know, creative stuff, mm-hmm. you know, has that stigma. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, she was always super supportive, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I... I looked into different schools luckily florida has um some of the top rated schools for game design we have like full sail um university of central florida so and i was living in tampa at the time and ucf wasn't too far it was like a it's like a city that's like two hours north Um, yeah so yeah i looked into that and finished high school and went there for my ba yeah 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 i think like support you know like it's it's like <laughs> I think it's like because I kind of had a similar thing um with my parents um and like I was always a creative child like if we were to go from like the very stereotypical like left and right brain sort of thing that mm-hmm. is not really like science but like if we're gonna use that for like two seconds I was always very much so like a right-brained child so like I was into music and choir and piano and like art and love glitter glue and and red crayons and stuff and so I think there was always kind of like a sense that I would want to do something creative even though I had other skills elsewhere and um it was kind of nice that my parents were supportive of it. I think they just wanted me to like, I think uh, when I think about it, like my mom was like, you can pick whatever you want. You just have to like pick it and know that that's your choice, if that makes yeah. sense. So it's, it's like whatever mm-hmm. that comes with, you know, like you have to like navigate it um, mm. because I, I would have to navigate it myself. Uh, and uh, not having like pushback, I guess, I think makes a, a world of a difference because yeah. having um, family members or parents that kind of push back against what you want to do can be really damaging, especially in your like your young formative years. Even though I still think that I'm in my formative years, but like um, <laughs> like when you're when you're like a, a kid, and I don't know, like if you're the type of kid, especially who just wants to like make their parents proud, it can be kind of hard if your parents don't get behind um, what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a good example to hear that for all three of us, because my mom was the same. She was very supportive with for me because she was also from like a creative field, I guess, and went for architecture, but she got like some pushback back from my grandparents because they were worried that it's also not a job where you earn money. It's like, I think a big um, issue probably that people like parents especially are scared that their kids are not going to have security and it's a valid right. reason I think because Absolutely. you don't want your kids to just be out there in the world working hard and not getting any compensation for it which can happen in the industry so she wasn't <laughs> even that wrong probably but um, it's good to have that support anyway even if there's the risk of it not working out or anything just having that security from home and um, having people that want you to pursue what you're passionate about is uh, makes the biggest difference and I hope that we maybe also as parents at some point in our life if we want children I'm not saying that we have to <laughs> but that we just carry on that kind of sentiment like in our generation I think too yeah I think you you can do it like like aside from like if someone decides to have children or not I think you can kind of just like cultivate that in your community too like if you're yeah. around like a niece or like a cousin exactly, that's kind yeah. of young and or like someone's friend's kid brother or something yeah. like you're babysitting <laughs> and uh and uh, they're interested in doing like 
artistic related things yeah. or just like I don't know I think like just being supportive of uh, of kids dreams like in general are is is just going to be um more positive um yeah. for them uh so always trying to build like a positive community positive yeah. spaces <laughs> yeah. positive spaces uh, for your children um but and, uh, um but yeah, when you then went to university, Diana, um, what was it like for you there? Did you know straight away in what field within games you want mm -hmm. to go into? Or did you just kind of try different um, aspects of game development out? Because like some courses kind of give you the option, I guess, to try different things out. I'm not sure what it was like in your course. Could you maybe um, describe to us how that time was for you? Yeah, I think uh, the, the program is um, called... It was like under the digital media program and you can mm -hmm. pick a track and they had the game design track and that's what what I did so it was a lot of like general theory type of stuff around mm -hmm. game design but they also teach you a little bit of everything like the 3d modeling programs um photoshop all that good stuff um but yeah I kind of always knew I wanted to do something in game design or level design like I always as much as I loved drawing art, I wasn't good at it. <laughs> and uh, I tried learning programming on my own. It just didn't really click with me. So I tried to look into stuff that I might be okay not 100% of the time doing those things. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of specialized in doing my classes and stuff. Uh, I really like doing like the world building and uh, you know wireframing, user flows, all that fun stuff. So I kind of um, made sure to gear myself towards game design mm -hmm. that sounds good and d did you already back then have like the ambition to go uh, further in a sense that you have your own studio or that you um are like a lead in a way like did you already experience that kind of position in your maybe in your student projects or is that something that came later after you finished university it really came later. I a lot of my projects, I mostly took on the role of like de uh, designer, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, actually, I never really thought in my head like of having my own studio. I finished school and told myself I was, you know, I wanted to stay in Florida, and we don't have a lot of like AAA studios or anything mm -hmm. here, so it's very like kind of had the expectation that I might be mostly working in like indie games or like startups. Um, and that's kind of where I've actually been sticking towards, but, um, yeah, I, I finished, when I finished my BA, I was like, I'm done. I'm not going back to school. Like, I'm just going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then six months later, I was like, no, I really miss like, you know, learning new stuff and being in that like learning type of environment where you could just like mess up and learn new things and stuff. So <laughs> I, uh, end up going back for my master's at SCAD for but I did it online because I didn't want to like you know have to move out um yeah yeah I was so that was oh, really nice awesome. what was it like doing your master's um was it also in game design or in what field was it yeah it was in game design they at the, at the official title was uh it was like game development and interaction design Oh. And it was really cool because I actually offer like a lot of um, uh, really in-depth like game design classes and game art classes. And I got to take, they actually have a class just for game design documentation. And oh, wow. that was amazing. Like I freaking loved that class. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually uh, where I started like some of the initial concepts for a game that we're working on now called Path of Kami. Uh, kind of oh. had its original concepts made around that time um but yeah it was really nice it kind of built off of where you know like like when you're doing your ba it goes a lot of like the general like top mm -hmm. level stuff of like everything um for like 3d modeling design and all that and then for your, the masters it was really really going in depth on those programs and like theory and all of that fun stuff that's nice, actually, that you decided to go back, because I think maybe for a lot of people, there's this pressure after you finish uni, you should, like, work straight away. 
for um, even mm -hmm. if you don't feel maybe ready yet or feel like you want to continue learning, I think it's great to just go back and uh, do that, especially if you have the option, if you have even online classes, that's even better, I think. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> that's uh, great. And, and when you say how much you learn, that's helping you now even. Um, I think that's a great choice. Like, I think really everyone should decide for themselves what works best. And um, I think we mentioned in another episode as well that we shouldn't rush things. Like yeah. just take your time and do things that you would like to do and um yeah go for it <laughs> like don't get pressured that everyone in the industry is i don't know working here or there like just do go your path and mm. learn and grow and find that time for yourself to figure out what you want to do and it must have worked out great for you because now you have your own place where you're working at and can even use all that knowledge that you get got through your studies that's amazing mm-hmm Thank I think you. that like um like when it comes to I don't know how how the best way to kind of describe it but I think uh the idea of continuing education is always going to be a good thing and I think for yeah. people um depending on their uh financial situation living situation whatever it's going to mean something different for everyone and yeah. like it's not I think sometimes we can be sold this idea that like oh i should be at the peak of knowledge after like a first round of like education but when yeah. in reality uh i think not only in art but in a lot of uh fields you're always going to be learning things you're always going to need more training you're always going to need to kind of catch up to um new techniques and how people are doing things and stuff like that and like sometimes for someone that means like going and getting their master's like you did or um for me it meant taking classes at cgma and finding some mentorship at opportunities or whatever and like i think as long as you kind of keep that student mentality of like yeah. there is a lot of stuff to learn um mm -hmm. i think it's it's gonna only have positive outcomes um yeah a person like there's always something to learn and i think that's i think it is good and we yeah. should keep learning as a people yeah because <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time if we don't if you're not open for learning like i've, Absolutely. I've met people who are like so uh, stuck in their ways and they don't want to mm. get out of that and mm. that's i think an issue when you especially work in such a fast-paced industry where as you said there's new techniques there's new programs there's new ways yeah. to do things yeah. like we've got to have that mentality it's so healthy to have so yeah, that's a great starting point. If you're already eager to learn, <laughs> go for it. For sure. I think it's it has something to do with like flexibility also, just being kind of like yes, open to yeah. learning learning things. And I think that's maybe I think that counts as like one of those soft skills that we talk yeah. about but aren't really sure maybe how to help people get up to speed with or whatever is like yeah. just being kind of down to learn things and stuff. So um yeah, chill stuff, chill stuff. Um, so kind of moving on to topic number two, um, you founded your own studio, which, you know, for a person like me who's very disorganized, I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> um, and it seems like a really like big sort of feat to kind of like take upon yourself. So like, how did you do that? Like what kind of like steps do you go to to like, make your own studio and what was that kind of thought process like like trying to be like oh man maybe I should do this or maybe I shouldn't do this like just could you tell us a little bit about what goes through your mind when you um were thinking about founding your own studio mm -hmm. yeah actually I originally unofficially founded it back in 2018 I was still okay. going to UCF <laughs> and uh I had this game idea and I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, work on this. And then, you know, I'm not a programmer. I'm not like an artist. So <laughs> it was, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to make a team. And then um, project ended up falling through just because, you know, we're all full-time students. Um, so I just kind of used that brand for freelance work um, throughout the years. And, you know, when I went to SCAD and started working on Path of Kami, I, um, I was like, no, I'll probably have to, you know, officially make it like your actual studio legally and all of that. And through that time frame, I um, worked through like a lot of indie game studios and startups. So I learned a lot about, um, 
the business side of like managing a studio and stuff. So that helped me a lot and got me connected with um, a lot of awesome people. So I reached out to a friend that's a game lawyer and he helped me do all the legal side Wait, of things. Hold on, a, a game lawyer, hold on. Damn, that's interesting. Like, like yeah. he gives you his business card. It says a game lawyer. Like, what? <laughs> is it? Is that like? <laughs> I'm trying to like understand. Is it just like a normal lawyer, but they're like versed in like game stuff? Like, it's a subset, or is it just like? Yeah, what? yeah it's kind of like how we have. No, you, you can know, do that. We'll say like. Oh, sorry. No, 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 I was just, I was just exclaiming that, like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't really, like, think about it until, like, you know, you, you, I, you know, you start meeting all these people and, like, conferences and stuff, and it just, like, really opens your eyes to, like, uh, you know, all the different disciplines that are out there, but, yeah, he, it's just, it's just, you know, going to law school and then deciding to specialize in, uh, he does like video game, like IP stuff and content creation. And mm-hmm. he, at some point, I think he was like a, uh, some type of like Xbox, um, uh, content creator ambassador program thing. Okay. I can't remember the exact name, but yeah, he was always like into that, and then decided <laughs> to go to law school. So when you met him, he helped you like with the legal side of uh, things of making a studio, like from unofficial <laughs> to official, basically. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, helped me register it as, like, an LLC, like, you're, like, our state. Oh, website. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, help me with all my, like, the contracts that we need for whenever we need, like, uh, freelancers or contributors and uh, oh. contractors, all that. Um, and, yeah, whenever I have questions about trademarking or, uh, you know, legal side of, like, using specific names and stuff, like, he helps out with that, too which is awesome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be very a very dicey situation to navigate by yourself. <laughs> For sure. I'm like, I don't know anything about law. Can you help me, please? Yeah, me. That's me with law. That's me with taxes. That's me with a lot oh, of gosh, uh, adult things. I'm just here. I'm just a machine for art. Don't ask me for anything else, you know? Um, that's neat. Um, I, I uh, kind of... Uh, also wanted to know what being a creative director means as it relates to the work that you do um at Capitalite because like we have all these like titles and stuff with um pod um with uh game art companies and things like that and sometimes the verbiage verbiage uh, word usage can just be weird like different things mean different things at different places so uh can you explain to us uh what a creative director is for you Mm -hmm. yeah i think uh in our in our sense we use it sort of like a person that kind of holds the overall vision of the projects that we work on Mm -hmm. um everything from like uh you know the gameplay field user flow um uh, marketing presentation, like um, branding, all of that good stuff, and kind of working with the team to get everybody on the same page and and kind of understanding like that vision of the game. That when I think about it, like it sounds very similar to what uh, Lindsay in our last episode of All Inclusive yeah, was yeah, describing, yeah, yeah. which she does as an art director. Do you guys at uh, Capitalite have also an art director that does like another set of um, tasks or? Do you kind of um, merge that into the creative director role that you are having? Yeah, we have a creative director. He is amazing. His name's Jose Beltran. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he works m- more with like the like I might have like a certain idea, for example, of like an art style, and then he'll take mm-hmm. that, um, do like a bunch of mood boards, and help me kind of visualize like what. Uh, like more specifically what the artist would need to to be able to act on that and do that art style so he helps he does like a lot of the like actual art side of things and I'll be like oh this is kind of what I'm thinking I'm not sure but maybe do this and that and then he'll do the concepts and really final like finalize what that art style is 
Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess then the creative director is the more broad picture and then it gets narrowed down by your art director. And then I guess you have other people in the studio who will then put it into the game, I guess, like the 3D artists, UI, programming, <laughs> design, or how does that work? Yeah, exactly how you said it. Uh, I do more of like the high, the high level stuff where like I'll oh. come up with the vision, um, with the, the general direction, and then I'll work with the team to to make it happen. And then I also do a lot of the um, communications between like work, working with our producer and like um, the team leads, and then um, also like working with the translators and figuring out publishing side of things and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, translators. Uh, my, you've piqued my interest. What are you like translating? As in, like, not that the, unless there's another word for translating um, that me, doesn't mean um, putting something from English into something else. Like, what languages are you translating for? Like, oh yeah, we um, um. So the game that we're working on, like, we're trying to um, have it translated, like localization, um, to different languages. Right now, we're thinking about. Um, Chinese, Japanese, and Spanish are our main oh, ones right now. So kind of yes. working with the translators to get all the in-game yes. content translated. Uh, I'm very biased. I'm very excited about the Japanese option. <laughs> very excited. Oh, me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, if anyone, if anyone knows me, they know that I love Japanese. So I'm very excited about that. Um, that's a lot of work, though. Like goodness, yeah. like. So glad that I don't run a company. <laughs> like I'm so glad that I am a a art machine, and that's it. Because it seems like there's just so much to kind of like juggle and keep up with, and um, like I feel like there's there might be a lot of putting out fires or whatever impromptu that you didn't really realize that would happen until they happened and stuff like that like it's a it's a lot um to kind of keep up with and like like for you what do you think are like the skills that someone would need to kind of like be a successful creative director um in a smaller like sort of indie space being familiar with like all the dis different disciplines, I think, is very helpful, so that way you can kind of you know empathize with like what they're doing and kind of understand like the production side of things. Um, and I think knowing like being able to like pitch to clients and uh, the team and really like mo like motivate and like inspire them to you know, get behind, like, a game idea is really good, like, hyping them up, hyping them up, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think it's also, it's also really helpful, I mean, I don't say it's required, but I think it's super helpful to, like, know, like, the business side of things, um, like, knowing how to work with, like, the publishers, for example, and how that process works. Do you have, like, any good resources for that, maybe? Because, I think that's like the big mystery maybe to many people yeah. as Ash said, like the whole business side, even for us as oh. artists is like the most daunting side of things, I think. And many oh, yeah. people like for sure. forget about that we need to be well like versed in that too. So how did you like wrap your head around all Yeah, that? did you just kind of learn it by like on the fly kind of as you kind of just did it a little bit more each time or did someone kind of like take you under their wing and show the show you what you should be doing or what was up with that? Um there's a few resources online that I kind of that kind of explains the process of it all, but I didn't really fully understand it until um you know, I, I worked at some studios and kind of went through that process. And then um, I, fr I freelance for a publisher, which has a lot of my information has come from like it, um, just like experience has been super helpful. Um, a lot of the information I know now is just mostly through experience. And I really wish there was more resources out there to learn. Um, I know there's a really awesome book out there. I think it's called like the Game Dev Business Handbook. Um, I could probably grab the name of it later, but that was super helpful. Um, it kind of talks about a lot about the, the publisher side of things and business and the not so fun stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if 
there's not sort of like how do i how do i even word this sentence i think that the more knowledge there is about a certain thing the better like we have a lot of websites out here that will have a bunch of tutorials for like game art and things like that and i think it would be really like beneficial i think if not that i'm going to like say hey you should do this but i'm going to say hey you should totally um <laughs> consider you know like sharing your knowledge somehow um with how to approach things like this like if it's in the form of like an article or like a wiki page or something i don't know i think that like just kind of peeling back the curtain and making these things a lot more approachable and easy to like digest and since you know you have like that knowledge from like more of the business side and also the artistic side i think you have a great opportunity to kind of be a liaison for like those two sides and say things in ways that I can understand and then say things in a way that someone on the more business side can understand, like um, basically help us, Deanna. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're begging help you. <laughs> <laughs> we need the help. I'm always down to help. I, um, I try to do like marketing tips and stuff on my Twitter as much as I can. But yeah, there's just so much on the business side. I never really know like how to really uh, categorize and like what specific mm. questions to answer, I guess. Like, um, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, I'm always down to help. If anyone or if you guys have any questions, just let me know. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> we have the excuse to bother you now. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> it's on record. <laughs> That's right. You can't take it back now. All these people listening are our witnesses. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. Uh, we're going to stop right there for a little break. Before the break, we talked about how Diana entered the industry and what it's like working as a creative director, founding your own studio, so really exciting stuff. And uh, moving on from that, um, you told us about that you're actually working uh, with Girls Make Games, where you talk at universities, and we were wondering, is there anything specific you think could help to make the industry look more inviting, especially for young girls who want to get in there and... Um, also maybe shortly explain what your role is in the Girls Make Games initiative. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about it earlier, but um, just kind of like brand, like bringing awareness around like games as a career choice. Like I know that when you're doing like forms and stuff, normally you wouldn't see like computer games as like a, an option, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So just bringing more awareness there and um yeah, just working with awesome organizations, uh, initiatives, sort of like Girls Make Games, and to make the industry more inviting, um, I think really like in the hiring process, like showing that, you know, you're promoting inclusivity and diversity and um, not just showing that like in the job, uh, job ads or your website and stuff, but mm -hmm. um, also with like your management team, like making sure yeah. like everything is good there and this is like overall language uh, as well mm -hmm. and within girls make games um because the thing is i don't think we have that in germany i've always seen how the u.s has this and i think the uk too and i think it's such a great um initiative because as i understood it you, um, you go to schools and uh, make games like with younger girls and get them to like um engage more with game development uh, what exactly do you do there and uh, what was your experience like um, working with like younger girls on making games yeah it first started out with um doing like a summer camp like we before mm -hmm. covid <laughs> um it was um, <laughs> it was really cool they um did like these in-person summer camps where they would uh, host them at like different 
at AAA Studios. Like I got sent to California oh. to do one at PlayStation. And um, yeah, they, it was like a whole summer where I cut, I got to teach uh, girls from like, I believe, uh, I believe it was like 10 to like 16, 17, something like that. Oh. Um, how to use Unity and they have like a really cool like, um, like asset pack. Uh, so they, they don't directly do the coding. So it makes things a lot more accessible for them to be able to build things. So it's like a, mm-hmm. a pack of really cool tools that they can use to make their games. And we uh, taught them game design and like how to use um, some friendly like art programs and stuff. Um, so we worked with them to make games and mm-hmm. I did that for one summer. And then when COVID hit, um, they would do like online virtual workshops and summer camps and stuff like that. So I was kind of doing the same thing, but virtually. Mm-hmm. And what's the response like? Do you have a lot of girls uh, coming to these events and um, do they have like any prior knowledge about like games or anything in particular? Is it like their first time engaging with it? For the in-person uh, summer camp that we did um there were some since girls make games had been doing it for a few years there were some people that came back and kind of already knew like how to do stuff um when we switched over to doing virtual classes it was a lot of like first timers um and getting like the whole game idea and their game design side of things it was completely new um but it was really crazy (laughs) because these girls are so talented like throughout like a couple days throughout the week of meeting um for example the most uh recent one i did we taught them how to use construct 3 and to make like a platformer type of game oh nice and oh my gosh i remember this one girl like made her whole like the goal at the end of the class was to have like uh, a level with like small enemies and um things you can collect and stuff and um Oh, she had like hidden areas in there and like all these other fun stuff. Um, I guess she outside of class, she did her own research and learned all this new stuff from like tutorials and all that. Um, but yeah, that still like leaves a big impression on me. But they're very excited um, to like be learning and making games. And anytime like they do a script and it works, it's like super exciting for them to see it like working. <laughs> Uh, that must be really rewarding to see I think especially um, seeing that there is interest and against many people's beliefs that girls are just not interested in tech stuff or games that's uh, yeah, the contrary that? <laughs> what is that exactly where did that come from <laughs> I think that like again like with initiatives sort of like this like it, it kind of just goes to show that if you give people the opportunity if you make things available to them and accessible like you yeah. you'll get more of a response than you think you will um mm-hmm. like uh like obviously everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different when it comes to like games or whatever i know for me i didn't intend to go into games i kind of just it just happened or whatever um for whatever reason and like I think that if we can continue to give, you know, girls more um kind of safe spaces to like interact with tech stuff, because that could kind of be a little bit of a minefield sometimes. Like I think yeah. you'll see a lot more people um like being excited about it and, and engaging with it and um doing cool like problem solving and things like that when it comes to um like game art and and more technical related um industries and stuff like that um and like it it kind of makes sense to have stuff like that because like it's it's probably again like a societal sort of thing where like um like i think there's a couple things kind of going on like game art isn't that old question mark um it's like in (laughs) the state that we get in right now is um a bit newer like you're gonna have people in the next couple decades trying to figure out about like what retirement looks like as a game dev because they were there when it first started like getting steam and stuff like that and i think because game art is kind of like a newer sort of like um sort of frontier or whatever maybe that's also well not even maybe i think that's also why some of the kind of inclusivity of 
um, the industry is kind of a little bit um, behind it than what maybe some people would like it to be. Um, yeah. but having, cause like, when you think about it, like I know when I was like in middle school, I went to a summer camp for marine biology for whatever reason. And like, <laughs> and like you have summer programs and things like that kind of out there to kind of like get kids interested in things in a fun way that's accessible to them and that they can understand yeah. and interact mm-hmm. with. And the same thing should be and i'm glad to see that it is happening with things in game art and technical things um technical industries and stuff like that because like there should that sort of thing should be available to um people i think i think people will be a lot more surprised to find like just how many um girls are interested in like video game things it's just it's it's so it's been so coded as like male for the longest time but i think that like yeah you look around it's actually like it there's 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 still a lot of like work to be done but i think it's becoming more and more diverse in a positive way as time goes on um yeah Yeah, i guess you have to break that whole stereotype of it because the whole um like computers and uh, programming since that all like started from i don't know the 60s and 50s it was a very like male dominant um, medium and because it was made with the military together and all that it's something mm-hmm. that's been made in a time where women just didn't have the opportunity to even access these technologies so it really should now be the time to open it up and just break all those walls that people build over the years just break them away so we don't end up with a situation that's like prevalent in other industries and um, jobs where men have been there for centuries and whatever and you can't even go in there as a woman comfortably so having these type of things and showing young girls from so early on that it is an option to do this and it's fine and they have this safe space it's amazing so I think it's and it shows like how you said that there's these girls who are so keen to learn things and do their own research even it's um yeah I think it's really inspiring to see do you actually know if any of them pursued um to make games like later again too or if they like plan to go to university or anything like that Yeah unfortunately I can't have contact with them outside of the class but I remember uh just for like you know security reasons but I remember asking, like, hey, anybody ever thought about games as a career? And I would ask it, like, at the beginning of the uh, of the class and then the end. And a lot of times, like, there is, like, a lot of interest, which is really awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think back to, like, what we were talking about earlier, I think it's, like, really cool to be growing up as a kid right now because there's, like, yeah. so many, like, more kid-friendly games, I feel like. Like, Minecraft mm-hmm. or Roblox. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh, I hear about Roblox and Among Us now all the time when, like, Uh yeah roblox is really accessible like i know from my partner he would make games with that when he was uh 10 or something and because they have it very accessible (laughs) hold on it's been around that long sorry i'm just like i okay so this just goes or goes to show just how um little i know about (laughs) games things i didn't know it was that i didn't know it was that old like yo like i was not a gamer growing up i didn't play minecraft i didn't really play anything like that so like i thought roblox was like in the past five years but it's 10 years old or something it's really old like like we are 24 now yeah so he was playing it 14 years ago what (laughs) that's crazy I didn't know it was 10 years either. I thought it was like... Really? <laughs> Hold on. It's really old. Like um, like my partner would say he would make games on it and he had like Bro. his own uh, game modes and uh, people would ask him to make more levels of the thing he was doing. And I, like, I think it's great actually that, yeah, as a kid, uh, you can make these things and um, especially now that it's more known because I also never heard of Roblox until yeah, a couple of years ago. <laughs> So I think there really needs to be maybe more initiatives even using these things that these games that are already out there and show kids that they can make all these super creative things with them. Uh, just for the record, uh, Google says that Roblox first released in 2006. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
what yeah. what so was i like, doing in 2006 binging animal crossing probably but <laughs> oh my word i today today i learned that roblox is older than some children That's wow crazy but it's yeah. nice to see that it's still alive and it and makes people like kids especially inspires them to even make games in that playful way. It's same with Minecraft. Like when you see how kids make all these like adventure park inside Minecraft or these themed Harry Potter levels or whatever. It's oh um, gosh, yeah. it's uh, it's inspiring. It makes me excited that as you said that it's ama- it's an amazing time to be a kid right now. Absolutely, for sure um so moving on to our final topic for this episode um kind of wanted to know your thoughts about how you can make an inclusive space within um studios and like indie or whatever um and any sort of tips you um would give to other people when making a studio uh, and how they can make their spaces more inclusive. Yeah, I think overall, like having a welcoming and positive culture, um, I think accessibility is really important. Like, especially with COVID, it's really taught us like remote work is possible. People still work from home. <laughs> and, um and yeah, that lowers a lot of barriers, I feel like. I know when, when I made Capitulate, like, I was really wanting to have it, like, not fully remote, but, like, majority be, like, you know, work from home. Um, but yeah, I feel like that lowers a lot of barriers. And, you know, when you're hiring, like, um, just, like, overall being really flexible. Um, How people talk about stuff in a space kind of matters. And I don't think that... Um, everyone necessarily has to agree on everything you know Uh, because I think there's going to be some sort of level of conflict but I think that little things that I've noticed that have been um, in my my experience that have been kind of indicators that a place is a positive space to be in is like people on my team encouraging me to take mental health days if I need it stuff like that makes it feel more welcoming and more inclusive Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, your mental health is as important, if not more important than your job. And it has a lot of effect on how well you do your job and how you interact with the team. Uh, so I think that kind of making sure that people know how you feel about things like that is really important because sometimes I think it's also easy to assume that people just know that you're chill with something or that you're accepting of something but I think for people who are kind of nervous about stuff or kind of on the fence about um how a space may receive them kind of um taking a little bit of time to kind of talk and get to know that person kind of put their sort of uh what's the word their their concerns kind of to rest and just being like hey so like if you need x y and z like we could talk about it or if you're not feeling up to something or whatever uh we could talk about that too i think kind of just making yourself available um as a as a resource to people for when things get kind of rough really helps uh yeah like I I'm not really again I'm not really looking to make a studio or anything like that uh but I think that as a as a team member something that is important to do when trying to make a space more inclusive is also kind of like um like listening to people and hearing them out with certain um issues that may come up you know, like, I don't know, like, if someone is coming to me asking me about a, how to solve some modeling problem, and I'm just in the call kind of hashing things out and trying to keep things light, like, if they bring up to me that they're really frustrated with something, or something's been really bothering them, kind of, like, giving them the opportunity to, like, talk a little bit with about it, like, within their, like, com- comfort level or whatever, I think just anything you can do to, like, make sure that someone feels 
welcome is just going to make yeah. it more positive. And I know that that's kind of weird with like, it's a workspace, not a personal space, but I think, and like, and like blurring those lines can be kind of dangerous sometimes, you know, like yeah. people can overstep boundaries or whatever on this, yeah. on the giving and receiving end. But I think that there still is a way to kind of like professionally, um, uh, keep things open and chill and nice. Mm. Cause, um, I don't know. I think, it, I think it goes a lot a long way um when you are more open about things um puts a lot of fears at ease especially if you're like a junior or you're just starting out or anything like that like you're unsure about anything it's been a roller coaster getting to this point you know and having someone to just be like there for you and kind of listen to what's going on i think is is really positive I think you also brought up a good point earlier, Diana, yeah. that being uh, flexible is a mm. good uh, aspect of making a space feel more inclusive because a lot of times uh, people claim that the applicants group for studios is very small and they have to like, you know, um, just work with what they have. But if, the, if especially with COVID right now, you don't have to be so narrowed down on, uh, I think, the applicants group you have just in that city or in that country even being yeah. even more open just to having people from outside of your country applying to your studio and working remotely really opens up a big candidate pool of maybe even people who never even considered working at your studio because they just physically can't because they can't move because they have families because of visa issues because um you know they just don't want to maybe move to a certain country and I've been there, especially it's, um, ah, it yeah. just closes a lot of uh, doors for you. But seeing that studios are actually open and want to have somebody from a different uh, cultural background or place and don't care that you're not going to be willing to move all across the sea just to work for them. I think that's already a big positive sign as well, because it shows that the studios like not that not expecting you to give up your entire life or whatever just to work for them. Because that's like this also very unhealthy mentality that the, uh, industry sometimes perpetuates that um, your job is the number one priority nothing else in your life matters you should just be yeah. willing and grateful to just like leave everything behind and leave uh, and go for the job um, so I think it's great that you're also saying that your studio is trying to be accommodating to that and having people who are I guess um, not physically there in the space with you especially now with COVID it doesn't even matter anymore that much I think yeah exactly and like like you said like there's a really large financial barrier and the whole yep. mental health side of things like why should you have to leave your family behind to like go um try to pursue your yep. dream and games or um and, and we actually have because of you mentioned like you know being able to have all these applicants and i know when we are looking for like contractors and stuff like it really opened up the the pool for us like we right now we have people in the us the uk someone oh, from awesome. macedonia Hungary. Um, and yeah it's like oh, this wouldn't have been possible unless we were like you know a remote and studio is it like um i don't know a challenge for you to work that way for people from different time zones and countries because that's like another aspect i guess people bring up with why they maybe decide against um hiring people outside of the country or city or whatever because it's a valid reason like of course you want everyone to be available um at the same time mm -hmm. but has this been an issue for you or do you think it doesn't really um matter or isn't like a big uh, issue in that sense so far we've been able to work around it um what we do is we have like a weekly team meeting where we pick a time and we found out that 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is a good time for everybody. Um, so we'll do like our, like our big all-hands meeting then, and then we'll do like individual meetings depending on like, you know, if there's anything else mm -hmm. we need to meet about. Um, but a lot of times we use Discord to chat and communicate. So um, a lot of times like we try to be as transparent as possible. So we will try to all of us like talk in Discord mm -hmm. that way everyone can be aware of um what's going on yeah like having good communication is the key aspect i think as long as people talk and say what's up if they need help or anything like that then i think um it <laughs> yeah. doesn't even matter in what time zone you are or which country like as we know like 
we are all sitting somewhere else in the world and we managed to yeah. find a good time where we all can talk and have a yeah, yeah. nice conversation <laughs> like it's uh <laughs> that shouldn't be like ever the barrier i think like um there is ways for anything to solve it i think yeah and i think we'll see more well i can hope we'll see more of you know uh remote working uh opportunities happening because i think that like i think that is going to be a key for inclusivity also is to kind of open up opportunities for people like as long as they have like an internet connection and they have the skill um to kind of just yeah. learn let them like work because i don't know like it's kind of unfortunate that um a lot of studios are kind of like there's hubs or whatever and they're all a lot of them are in the west or whatever and um like not everyone can move you know like we don't know people's family situations or whatever people could be taking care of like their aging parents and that really yeah. matters to them so they want to like stay with them and and help them out and stuff like that but they still want to work in game development and having remote possibilities can like help accommodate people like that who are otherwise you know like great artists and just need yeah. like uh, the opportunity to kind of get their foot in the door and mm-hmm. yeah. and get started so that's really it's really cool and neat that you're working with people from all over the world um for your yeah. for capitalite that's that's good to hear and i hope that other people will continue to do similar things um so uh kind of wrapping up here if i could even attempt um, <laughs> if i could even attempt i know like whatever like for people listening we have an outline that we go through and like there's a bullet that says final thoughts slash takeaways and when it's my turn to do it i panic because i'm like oh i have to remember everything that happened in this hour <laughs> conversation and try to say something about it um <clears throat> but uh just kind of um to wrap up uh like i think that this episode has been a little bit more about the inclusivity aspect and um like things that we can do to kind of make sure that people feel welcome and that places are um, inclusive safe spaces for people to kind of interact in. And I can, I can hope that as we move forward and as we get more diverse people kind of coming in, bringing their ideas, bringing their history, bringing um, their backgrounds with them, that we can have um, more interesting, more interesting games and, and uh, more interesting projects. Because that's, I think that's what it ultimately means, you know, when we get more people in, involved from different places you can get some more exciting and cool things happening uh so uh to finalize this all uh you can find deanna and her studio capitalite on twitter and her website and we'll be including those links in the description box below on whatever you're listening to uh, youtube or soundcloud or whatever uh and thank you so much deanna for coming on to the podcast and having a good chill time hopefully that wasn't too nerve-wracking um hopefully <laughs> hopefully you you'll live oh, <laughs> yeah thank you thank you so much for um for honestly like reaching out because that's something yeah that, like, exactly. no, well i don't want to say no one because our podcast is still very young it's not even a year old yeah um but we love to see it so if people want to bring themselves and be like i want to be on it then like like I would love to see that email in our inbox. So I could be like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Diana, and also for having the courage and um, to write us an email. I think that's amazing. Uh, as Ash said, it's exciting to see and people should put themselves out there more like this. I think it's important, especially when they are doing such great things in the industry and um thriving and you know striving for good things it's always important to put a spotlight on people like that so thanks so much for coming on oh thank you
So, and if anyone who's listening, as we said, if you want to suggest somebody or if you would like to come on the podcast like Diana uh, has done, um, and you think they're a great positive force within their community, along with being great at what they are doing, you can send us an email at allinclusivepodcast at gmail.com. That's allinclusive, no spaces, p-d-c-s-t at gmail.com. There can be a 2D artist, 3D artist, community manager, studio founder, anything you want. Like we're really open to um, having a diverse range of people on this podcast to put a spotlight on a lot of aspects of game development. For sure. Uh, and thank you guys um, for joining us for the, um, what number episode is this? Uh, seven. Seven? seven. Episode seven of All Inclusive. Uh, and we hope that you had as much fun listening as we do talking. You can find us on a couple different social media channels and you will find these in the description box below. And so far right now, that is going to be on Twitter for our official account, YouTube and Spotify. Um, also, I think we're going to try to um, include, since Diana has had a um, some work with uh, Girls Make Games, we're going to include that link also so people can yeah. learn about that and see what's going on um but yeah thanks again and we hope you'll join us again for another episode of all inclusive